What's going on, Misfits? I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I know you're probably tired of me keep saying that I'm back, but I'm back. Uh, This week's episode is the first time and probably the last time I record in this setting. I It was a late night. I had to get in where I fit in because I'm not trying to miss two weeks in a row. So I decided to record at the Comedy Cellar, which ended up being hot like fire that night, which was last night, which was when I recorded it. Hot like fish grease. I mean, on and popping. Everybody was up in there. There was a lot of things going on, um, a lot of stuff going on, debates in the background. But that's what happens when you have a room full of comedians who are on there pretty much not cocktail hour in the sense of drinking, but just like after work hang. So this was a late night hang. And I sat down with um, my good friend, part of the crew, uh, six foot nothing. Menuhin Hart, who hails from Atlanta, multi-talented and had a very unique road to the stage. So enjoy this conversation. Um, Shout out to all the people who obnoxiously interrupted this podcast recording. That would be Keith Robinson, Michael Che, Mike Yard, Von DiCarlo, and some others who I was able to edit out. But um, just take a listen and have fun. It was fun to record it. And I think a lot of people can identify with Menuhin's plight right now, which is trying to hit the, trying to find the needle in the haystack. If you can do so many things well, uh, what's that one thing that's going to push you over the top? And we are living in a time where people are mediocre. You see all those, you know, rich white kids who parents pay for them to go to school and, you know, set them on a path to success. So what happens when you don't have that uh, half a million dollar push and you have to rely on what God gave you? So this is for all of you out there who's trying to figure out a way to uh, set yourself apart and reach that success by hook or crook. Well, not crook. Definitely not crook because I don't want y'all going to jail, but by hook, by hook or hook. How about that? By hook or hook. So uh, enjoy. You're listening to Social Misfit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit with me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. I'm coming to you live from the world famous Comedy Cellar with my dear friend and fellow comedian and music producer, extraordinaire, artist, uh, vocalist, uh, um, uh, Maestro, Maestro, menu and heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What up? What up? What's going on, good people? Listen, whenever you talk to people who don't know how to play instruments, and someone does, they're like, "You're a maestro in my mind." Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I, I actually, it's weird. I just thought about this because, like, uh, so sorry, guys, I missed last week's episode. I know I was going real strong. Oh, you did one of those? <laughs> I did. I missed last week because I've been traveling nonstop. So I was in Vegas, and then from Vegas, I went to Minnesota and Iowa, and then from there, I went to Aruba. So I didn't have anybody to interview, and I didn't have the time, and I didn't want to pack a microphone internationally because it's just the last thing Man. I need to end up is a locked up abroad thinking I got. Uh-huh. cocaine and my microphones <laughs> and all types of stupid stupid stuff so um yeah. i didn't book i didn't do an episode last week and while i was in aruba last week had a great time i was performing at a rural race comedy show but my mom and my godmom came and the tv in the room had uh you could log into your netflix and so mm-hmm. you know they old ladies so they were like we gonna we gonna lay in in the bed tonight you go you go gamble at the casino we gonna sit here and watch a movie <laughs> i did gamble and i did win money i learned how to play roulette when i was in vegas yeah um 
but they watched the Quincy Jones documentary, which was amazing. Yes, I watched that documentary. Yeah, too. and so when he you died see so him, many times. I know he did die so many <laughs> and times. He came back. I'm he like, definitely this dude did. is Shang Song. Yeah, but not only that, like he, even in his 80s, he's still like writing, writing music, like yeah, sheet still music. Composing, yeah. yeah, composing. So when you think about like, wow, he's played multiple instruments and he knows how to write for multiple instruments. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, I think about. And if you don't, if you haven't seen Quincy on Netflix, it's really, really good. It's but good one, yeah. he talked about basically like how he was on a road to like destruction as a young kid growing up in Chicago. But, you know, he broke into like a, a building and they had a piano and he played a piano. Yeah. And he was like, that's the moment that changed my life. And he just learned and he was self-taught. And so those are the things that I tell myself. I'm on, I'm taping my podcast. Would you like to say anything? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, goodbye. See you um so so that made me think about like well what if i had been exposed to music or had access to music because yeah. i think a lot of times people you don't know what you can and can't do unless you've had the opportunity mm-hmm. so i did recorder of course in school and then you mm-hmm. know i did the trumpet but my mother was oh, like the recorder yes yeah, so my God. mother was like look, look. Buns. yeah he's like no you ain't gonna be playing this trumpet shit is not going oh, to play trumpet i i thought i was gonna play trumpet until my mother was <laughs> like not in this apartment you're not gonna be playing drumming. same thing for me and i think that but isn't that jack though like i feel like a lot of black parents people like hey, 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 hey listen you ain't gonna be banging on these pots and pans you be like just buy them a motherfucking yeah, drum kit they don't want it's because the thing is you we grew up in apartments yeah so it's just like this noise yeah. so it's like you can't you, you got you got to you got to worry about neighbors tripping that's how it was with me in the trumpet mm-hmm. i played trumpet in high school and it was hard for me to practice yeah in in the house so i would try to practice outside and then the police were like it's a noise ordinance and stuff like that so it's like so when i see black people like miles davis or like wenton marsalis Mm -hmm. or i see quincy jones i'm like damn where did they practice no you know why they got to practice because motherfuckers didn't have tvs back then so they was like, oh, I'll, I'll, like, yo, let's hear little Quincy play. Play something for me, little Quincy. Oh, so you, they were the TV. Yeah, of course they were the TV. But okay, when Marcellus then, it was TV when he was yeah, coming out. Yeah, but his whole family was musicians. His dad was a musician. All his brothers were right. musicians. They, the whole family. So they just jammed together. Yeah. But I feel like if you are a party of one and you're trying to, like, you know, tap into your creative, you know, gifts, if you're yeah. not in a supportive environment, it's much, much difficult. Yeah. You really trying it. What do you want? <laughs> What's going on, you, man? You just want something. <laughs> what do you want? I'm not even going to say who it is, but you annoying. It's my podcast. Would you like to do my podcast? Yeah, what's it about? It's it's called Social Misfit, and I interview a person about what makes them a social misfit and other things. But we can set up a time so you can be on it. Just say who you are since I'm going to keep this in because you've come here twice. I'm just listening. You guys look- Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Shea, a.k.a. the black nigga on SNL. Um, <laughs> that's the intro. <laughs> that's the intro. Oh, the black nigga. That's a black nigga. Yeah. I feel like it's repetitive when you say black and nigga, but you well, back say back to back. Yeah, back. I don't think you need black both, though. Yeah. yeah. I saw this post on social media that someone said that the reason why black people are operating on a lower frequency is because we still say nigga. If we stop saying nigga, we'll, we'll rise our vibration. And it's holding us back when we say nigga. So they say that when we say nigga, it destroys our vibration. Yeah. What? It it it, it keeps us in a in a in a sub- submissive place in society because we are using a word that was used to oppress us, and we're I mean, still using. But we so use, we're still oppressing but, well, ourselves. Well, well, the explanation is the fact that we use it to empower now. 
you but know, not all the time. Because like, remember, because you remember about it. Because like in the nineties, like yeah, mama, niggas. Yeah, niggas. but about two, like I remember about two, three years ago when all the memes was like niggas be like, remember, remember all those? Okay. And niggas yeah. be like dot 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 was negative as shit. Yeah, it wasn't positive. Yeah. those <laughs> pictures were funny though. Yeah, but. <laughs> Hadia Robinson. Um, Hadia Robinson is a fellow comedian, and she lives in L.A. now. And she used to have this joke about how. She's like, whenever you hear, like, always oh, a bunch of niggas, it's never nothing positive. Like, yo, it was a bunch of niggas and they were shooting. It's never yeah. like, yo, there was yeah, a bunch is, of niggas. It is always some negative situations. It like, it's never like, yo, it was a bunch of niggas down the street and they doing, you got a book club. You don't <laughs> never hear nothing positive. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, these niggas just taking care of canaries. Yeah. <laughs> um. So thanks to Michael Che for that uh, interrupt- That's interruption. Interruption. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into your social media post. Okay. Uh, the post I picked is a it's basically a picture of me at the storytelling show, and the post says I love doing storytelling shows. It's less pressure to be funny and just more about creating the story in the moment. The show was dope. Can't wait to do the next one. So, storytelling shows have been around for a long time. Yeah, and the storytelling community is very different from the comedy community. Like there are storytelling stars. Yeah, I've noticed there, being around those yes, guys. Yes, there are people. They're I, like some Chris Rockish. Yes. There was um there there was a storyteller group called the Moth. They, yeah, yeah. I so that Moth, that yeah. was a big big thing. Um, uh, many years ago, there was a thing called the Moth, and they would have these shows. And I remember I went to it. I don't know if I told the story, but I know I wrote about it. Like this uh, is when I was still a journalist, and I wrote about it. Yeah. And um, and I remember thinking like it's really difficult to tell a story that captivates the person from the beginning and end because when people do storytelling shows, they're like 10, 15 minutes of just talking. It is for me. It's so easy. Like I didn't realize, like they, I got invited to do one. Like, well, I've, I've been invited to do a few of them, but every time I do one, I, I'm nervous about it because I'm like, as a comedian, you're always thinking about the set. You're always thinking about, okay, where am I going? Where's, where's, what this show's going to mm-hmm. connect to? And you want the laugh. And you want the laugh. So yeah. you, you're up there on audience, and you're trying to get that laugh. But it's like, when I'm telling a story, I feel like an R&B singer. Really? Is Explain. See, See, but this is a, this is your musical mind chiming in. No, yeah, I'm always, I'm always. Everything is in rhythms to me. Within mm-hmm. conversation, within just jokes. Da 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 punch. Da 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 punch. Just depending on what you say. But as far as when you're doing a, a storytelling show, R&B singers, I watch them on stage, and people are just captivated by this, them singing. Like yeah. look at Bruno Mars. Look at. Alicia Keys, when they sing, mm-hmm. it just comes out of them. I don't and know about Alicia Keys. You know, they, well, uh, well, I've seen her sing, and just like I've seen her sing live before, and she just yeah. like is when singers they, they pull it from their, their soul. True, but basically. there are certain people, there are certain singers, especially Alicia Keys. It's like you have to see her in person to feel it. She doesn't translate on TV. Okay, I can agree with that. I mean, because that's well, me seeing her in person like that. But Bruno Mars. I've seen him in a lot of interviews just, like, singing some shit. And I was like, yeah. damn, he went through that. Mm-hmm. But in the correlation to storytelling shows, people are just listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not wait In my head, I'm like, that pressure of, okay, I got, I'm talking too long. I got, I got to make them laugh. No, they're captivated. They're, they're just listening to you. And, it's, and then if you keep getting deeper and deeper into the story, they're like... Yeah, what else? What else happened? Yeah, it's a level of um, attention that we don't really have, like in day to day conversations. Yeah, it's, it's a different rhythm, and it's it's just like it's a different rhythm with uh, improv. Mm-hmm. Improv is 
there's a game involved. Every time I've done improv, I'm just going off the cuff and it's fun. Yeah. But it's like when you're in the room with professional improvers, they play. There's a game in, being played, so it's more. So you try to get the joke as a comic, but it's like you're not gonna get the laugh that you're looking for. Yeah. The punch is gonna come somewhere random, but with storytelling, it's like. I don't know. It's it's a different energy and it's fun. What story did you tell for the for that picture you just read uh, the caption for? The whole theme of it was losing something, mm-hmm. and I talked about losing a childhood toy. Mm, okay. So what so was the toy? It was a it was a Roger Rabbit that I <laughs> like the talking Roger Rabbit that you pull the string. Yes. Oh my god! I, I remember had, that shit when it hit did? the market. What's I remember that? that. Let me tell you, who framed Roger Rabbit was like. One of the movies I saw, like my mom would take me to the movies when yeah. I was a kid. And I remember being like at the end being like, why can't we live in that world? Like I want to live. Yo, with the carts and the bullets talking and, and all that. that cartoon <laughs> world. Like I, I left the movie theater, but like this shit is boring. Like I want to live in that world. Like why can't we live there? Like Real life is whack. I might have to watch that movie again. Yo, oh my that gosh. was uh, that was my toy. I was I talked about basically how. For some reason, I was attached to that toy. For some reason, he was just like, you, know, you pull a string and he said, yeah. or whatever. You just like my homie. And one day, this uh, my mom invited the neighbors over because for some reason, she was just real cordial with everybody. This, we were living in New York at the time, cordial with all the neighbors on the floor. And then some new guys came up and um, they came in. There was one older kid and one like little bit of younger kid. And I was more like selfish because mm-hmm. I was like, I had been. I don't like people touching my shit because they'll fuck around and break it. <laughs> <laughs> I had been through some shit before that. So my mom was like, you better share. What so, happened before that? Okay. Well, the story before that, I had a uh, I had a video game that I was that I had my neighbor. I played with my neighbor. I brought it to his house. We're sitting there playing mm-hmm. it, having fun. And then he was like, uh, he said, yo, can I borrow this, man? I was like, I was like, yeah, you can borrow it. He's How a, he's old a, were you? He's a neighbor. I I don't remember how old I was, yeah, but right. I remember, I remember the game and playing that game. It's like, yeah, you could borrow it. And then I went home, and I came back the next day to, to you know play the game and get my game back. And this motherfucker moved. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Exactly. Wait, like foster care moved or no, like family no, this kid up was and gone? Moved. Like, but, like no, gone, gone. The whole family was gone. The whole and family was. He gone. didn't tell you I, he like, was moving. Didn't you tell didn't, me. You was over there playing. You didn't. Mama didn't Yo, say y'all didn't cut see, that game off. We you know you gotta pack up your yeah, room. There was no sign. There was no boxes. There was no empty room. It was just. It was crazy. So next day I showed up and I'm knocking on the window, on the door, and I look in the window. Nothing there. Car gone. I'm like, where the hell he go? Minnie, was it really the next day? Legit, like Yo, the next it was day? legit the next day. Straight up. I remember it. I remember waking up and being like, Yo, in the I think house. the saddest part about that is like, you realize he wasn't your friend. He didn't even tell you he was Yeah, that too. So I lost a friend and I lost my game. What's his name? Call him out. I don't know his name. I don't remember. Oh, you blocked him out. I, I, it was a blocked out memory. So from that, on, that point on, it was all like, no, you don't hold my stuff. I put my name on everything. So that was the energy I came into this situation with. But you have a brother, a younger, older brother. Younger brother. Younger brother. Did you he, share with him? He wasn't born at the time. I mean, oh, me and okay. him, we cool now. How many years apart are you guys? My brother's in his uh, 20, 23, 24. Brother's in his 20s. Oh, he's young. Yeah, he's young, young. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 
I was basically an only child. Yeah. So I didn't have to share. Plus, I was a girl. Like, you know, girls don't really. No, have my to sharing share came from the fact that that situation happened and I just didn't trust people. Of course. And so my mom, she was always on me about sharing and stuff like that. So fast forward to this Roger Rabbit day. Mm. This kid shows up. So, oh, it's nice. Oh, it's Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit was popping. Oh, it's nice. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah that's nice. And I put it behind my back. Like, yeah, it's cool. My mom was like, if you don't, she knows she did the thing. She talks through her teeth. Oh. If you don't, she's not sure. I was like, all right. So I let him see it. I let him. And then he saw the pull string. He was like, oh, you just pull the string and talk. I was like, yeah, he talks or whatever. He pulled the string as if he was the falling Hulk. to the earth and it was a parachute <laughs> ripcord. Like he pulled the fucking cotton and the voice box came out Are of the you bag. For real? It was like it, it didn't come all the way out. It came like to the surface. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it was always a little pouch. It was always like a little yeah, Velcro yeah, yeah. pouch. Yeah, it was in yeah. the, yeah. So that, and it was just like, I'm I'm standing there looking at him kill another friend of mine. <laughs> My aunt is like, I can fix it. I'm like, oh, you can fix it. And it was just like, it was anger. Was it, so was this kid like a special kid with like superhuman strength? No, he was just a, he was just a teenager. He, oh. he, was, he was like, he said, oh, I'm sorry. Like, he apologized. But in my face, I was like, I want to scratch his face. I want to hurt him. But, but he ripped it. And then he, I guess he was holding his nose at the same time he pulled it. So the nose is crooked. So yeah. the nose is crooked. My aunt tried to fix it. Took the, he took the goddamn cord out of the voice box. So he never talked again. So he, wow. she tried to sew it up. Nothing. So That's the only part about... Do oh I guess they do I was thinking like they of course they have talk they have talking toys now for kids but it's, yeah, it I ain't mean, no drawstring that shit no nah, it's all Bluetooth its now it's yeah. like they're actually looking at you oh, it's man. weird Yo, so man. that was the whole story about just losing something drawstring toys back in the day only had like four phrases oh That's yeah it, and you would remember everyone and it didn't matter you would just <laughs> an, you would just ask some questions that the phrase could possibly answer it's like man it's cold in here isn't it roger yeah, yeah it, it is burr yes, told you it's cold <laughs> <laughs> wait so how did you get into stand-up comedy uh stand-up uh, i would say i started in high school really yeah i did a, uh i did a drama class well this is when you choose your electives, and I was doing. I and did, you grew up so. I mean, you grew up in Atlanta. Atlanta. Grew up in Atlanta, yeah. Okay. So I you did. Have um, no southern accent whatsoever. Huh? You have no southern accent whatsoever. No, not at all. My mom made sure I didn't have that. She made sure you, I spoke you, properly all the time. So wow. yeah, my mom she be on me about that. My mom, her accent is gone now. Really? Yeah. She just felt like if you, you if you sounded like that, it was like this ignorance that no one would um people would w as being they, slow yeah they would, they would put that stigma on you so yeah my mom Which was on me about do. that so um but yeah drama class well you choose your lectures i chose art i chose rotc i was in gym and then i was like acting all right cool i like movies and i did acting i did acting class and i remember doing some scene and it's the way the teacher described it to me is the fourth wall you can't break the fourth so you got to imagine yourself you're in this moment. And I took it too serious, I guess. And she was just like, bravo, great acting. And this is like a all white school. Well, basically, this is what it was. You have minority to majority was the name of the program. M to M. <laughs> <laughs> M to M program. So I lived in what? College Park. And what they did was they shipped black people uptown to like the white schools. So I'm acting in this school. So they're like, so she had this black history program. She was like, I do a black history program. I want you to come do it. And um, 
I want you to read this monologue. So this is the school that you get bused to. This is the art. This is the drama teacher at the school. This you is get drama teacher to. at Roswell High School. Where you got bused. Where, where I got bused to from College Park. Minority to majority. M to M program. Let me tell you something. That name would not fly today. <laughs> but it, but they, people will be so hot. They be like, "What the fuck you mean, minority majority?" Oh, I think they dissolved it as of, of now. Course. Well, yeah, they got to call something else. <laughs> Give, so, yeah. give the black kids a shot. Maybe that'd be the name of it, but it ain't gonna be call, no majority. No, they call it like magnet program or something like that now, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, but she had me read this monologue, and this is funny. I wasn't, I was, I kind of knew about stand up because my mom used to watch Def Jam late at night, but she wouldn't let me see what she was watching. I would just oh, hear her yeah. dying laughing, and I would hear it, but I didn't know what she was watching, so I kind of knew about it. But the monologue she gave me, she had me read it, and I was like. This is not funny. And she was like, I was like, you sure this is funny? She was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's proven. I was like, who wrote it? And it ended up being Chris Rock that wrote it. Really? It was, it was, I forgot what monologue it was, but I was like, I was like, can I do my own thing? She was like, if you want to. So what I did was I used to sneak and watch Def Jam and I just kind of took some of the jokes and, uh-huh. then, and made it like <laughs> high school. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I want to do a stand up comedy thing. And then she let me do it at the show. On the Black History Show, and people lost it in there, and that was like, like my first. I mean, it was scary because I was like behind that curtain, and they call yeah. your name, you walk out there, and it was like that bug. And then I just did. I think we did three or four shows that day, and then we did like three or four more shows. Oh uh, yeah, that's oh that's what I remember about school. It's like you had to, each grade had their own assembly. Yeah, <laughs> so you had to keep doing the show. So over you had to go back again. So I was like, yo. And but you at, got to miss all your classes that day. Yes. That was the best year. Yo, I got yeah, to miss all the classes. Mm-hmm. I got to go to all the lunches, hanging out. Yeah. So, oh, what that, you doing today? I got another show in about forty-five show, minutes. When this bell on. ring. I got to go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a celebrity. So did that show? Did those shows? Then they had me host the talent shows. No, I did that too. So the and then the next year they let me um they had, let me get more freedom and then I wrote the next one mm-hmm. and I started. So the next, so I, I did it and did it from then on. And then, well, the last year was, didn't go too well. But uh, Who did you offend? No, this is what happened. The last year, I I wrote it and it was basically supposed to be like, a, I remember it because it hurts so bad still. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it was going to be a time, it was going to be a time lapse. Basically, it was going to like show uh, like Martin Luther King doing something and then show and compare it to now, it was going to go back and forth. Yeah. And for some reason, some of the ideas the teacher didn't like, so she was like shutting down a lot of my ideas. Mm-hmm. I was like, like I didn't understand why she she was shutting down this idea, this idea, yeah. and every so she was getting. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not doing the show then. So I stepped away from it. I step I stepped back. And then a few other people was like, yo, if you're not doing it, we not we not going to do it. So some people stepped away. I was like, all right, cool. And then what happened was, the next thing you know, this motherfuckers went back to practice. And they let they, oh, the people do that. They act like they with they you, do. and then they because they back wanted in. to miss class. What you mean? Why? So, yeah. So what happened was, I came back. I was like, "Look, I'm sorry. Maybe I was out of hand." And she's like, "No, this is a lesson." Yeah, she would not let me do the show. So I had to sit and watch my ideas, which they changed and altered on stage. Was Was it good? No, so it was it was horrible. Well, it's better than because, it because they didn't do it like I was saying yeah. they should do it. But they then, had like a step team, and it was so many 
Why do black people love putting step teams in everything? No, first of all, I didn't put the step team in. I know. She put the step team in there. That's what I'm saying, though. Why? (laughs) That wasn't my idea. But our ancestors did not die. (laughs) So we can stomp and clap and listen to rhythmic songs? No, at all. No. Anyway, that that, that shows you that I did not go to a black college because I'm like, y'all with the stepping shit. (laughs) Yeah, I just stopped. It's annoying. So I did that. And then I got heavy into production and doing music at the same time. And when I left high school, um, I had like a bunch of people in the neighborhood. They'd be like, yo, you still doing that comedy thing? I'm like, it was like, no, I was, I'm doing music now. Mm-hmm. So they kept saying, I was like, you know what? All right, cool. Let me go to a comedy club. So me and my homeboy from high school, we went to a comedy club. It was Uptown. Mm-hmm. And Uptown Comedy Club. Uptown Comedy Atlanta. Club in Atlanta was, uh, yeah, super black. Mm-hmm. So Still is. Still is, yeah. He went up and he did horribly. I mean, they, they, oh my God, they booed him. I'd never seen that before because I oh, wow. remember I but performed it was like in front a of new, high school. This is like a new comic night. This is like an open mic. They booed him at the open mic. I guess it was open mic. I was a. I mean, I, 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 I feel like, like I feel like it was Jack. a show, oh, and then they had like the new Jack, Jack section. Mm, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like I had never been. A, I've been people. They love you. So you stand in front of people that hate you. I was like, what? So he went up there and they booed the shit out of him. I mean, they just, and then the host, I think it was Shouty Shouty. I think that was him. I, I can't, I don't, don't quote me. It was one of those black hosts who was like, hey man, you next. I was like, nope. And I left. <laughs> well, that could have been your moment. Nope. I left. I did music for years and years and years. And then one day I was at this, uh, this show I was DJing and they had a comedy show afterwards. And I was like, I was like, oh, I said, how do you sign up for this? And the guy, it was at Star Bar in Little Five Points out in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, he was like, yo, just just hit me up on this day at this time and I'll get you on. He got me on and then I did it. And then from then on, it was just like, I just kept doing the shows. I just kept yeah. doing that one show. And then from then on, it was just like, just spiraled and out. And then you moved to New York. Yeah. Eight years ago, right? Seven years ago? Eight, I think nine? a little bit. I think I got here eleven. When, when did when Patrice die? I don't know. Before I started doing, right I say I, I say no, that's right when I started doing comedy. So I say that's the marker ago. because I when I got here I wanted to meet him and then he had. I feel like I got here two thousand eleven. Well, what made you move here? It was just the scene in Atlanta was just. But like, you moved I, here with the intent of comedy or music? Yeah, no, it was comedy because music, music had got crazy because I, I had gotten some stuff on the radio. And I was in a studio with a lot of cats, and it was just like, I don't know. Music kind of lost its luster a little bit for me. And then also, I saw, I saw Prince. He showed up at a jazz club in Atlanta one night. And when I tell you he played every instrument, he played everything. He just picked up stuff and just killing it. And I was like, I'm on a drum machine? <laughs> was, yeah. I was like, I'm on a drum machine. I'm sampling stuff. I'm on records. And this cat is picking up pianos i mean he's playing piano he's playing the, the saxophone the guitar bass he's and that kind of just messed my mind i've been seeing that and just the industry and then cats wasn't trying to pay me and it was a bunch it was a bunch of racism at one job i worked at because i used to work i was an engineer at this one spot and these she used to have cops come in there and he used to be cursing on the mic and they was what the cops were cursing on the mic look this this is the setup at this point, I was working at like I was doing like intern stuff at Sankonia and other stuff, but I needed like some steady money coming mm-hmm. in. So my homeboy recommended 
He's like, yo, this one chick, he says, he says, weird gig, but she pay you real good. So I went in there. Basically, the booth, the window was all black. They mm-hmm. can't see you mm-hmm. from the other side. She's like, just be prepared. People come in and say some wild stuff. She said, you cool with that? I was like, I've seen, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff. She's like, all right, I'm just saying, you know. So these cops would come in and they would just put on like a, like a rock instrumental and they would just be like, nigga, 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 motherfucker. They would just go in. Oh, so they just like, it was just like a. It was like a release for them. Oh, uh, like a. It was like they just rent the studio, like, yeah, just to go on. And then she, and she's looking over at me like, you're all right. I was like, I guess I'm cool. And I would just be like, and like, so so how was that? I'm like, well, um, you were kind of beating the last three, but like I would have to tell these guys. And I'm like, oh, okay, run it back again. I was like, and then they would just get like a CD of their song and yeah, they, would get way a, out. they would get CD and they would ask me for feedback. I'm like, and they had no idea that you were black. No, I had no idea. So because your mama made you talk like that. Exactly. So it, <laughs> it all came in handy. <laughs> Went full circle. So. So yeah, I had kind of lost the luster for music at that time, and I got me and my business partner. We had got it's like a big situation, and um, so when I came here, it was morally just it was just straight comedy. Mm-hmm. So, but you also were a hairstylist. How, when did you figure that out? When did you fit that in? You had so just to rehash, you were a music producer slash engineer. Then you started doing comedy, but then at the same time, you went to hair school, got your degree, yeah. got your license, yeah. and was a licensed cosmetologist in Atlanta. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? The cosmetology thing happened because I, it, that was just me trying to get away from working at regular jobs that was just sucking me dry. Yeah, but you took and classes. You yeah. took classes but, and I mean, studied and took but, an but exam that's, but that's and all, had a mannequin. That's all art to me. Oh, that's okay. all creative that's it's in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. so it's like i basically this is what happened i got inspired by this lady at in my complex like she was she always had like a dope hairdo yeah and she was i was like i was like damn like how much you spend on that she was like a hundred something dollars that she was talking about how much she spent i was like you spent a hundred something dollars on that she's like i was like you just pay your styles that much money she's like yeah i gotta look good i was like what yeah. and it's just it, it just chimed in for me it's like how I wonder how much it would cost me to go to like like a cosmetology school. And I just started looking up spots. I went to Paul Mitchell, mm-hmm. and um, I graduated from Paul Mitchell, and I worked in San Diego for a while with um with Robert Cromains and the whole Paul Mitchell staff. Yeah, um, Takashi, not like Takashi. Um, I forgot the guy's name, Japanese guy. And um, I came back to Atlanta. And I was working. I was doing hair. Went to whole went to hair school and all that. How long were you a hairstylist? I was a hairstylist for three. No, well, actually, I went to barber school at first, and then that that went total south, and then I ended up in Paul Mitchell. But um, I did hair for four, five years. Do you miss it? Kind of, sort of. I'll, I'll, I'll say the last salon hair? I worked at, huh? You cut your own hair? Every now and then. Like, when yeah. I don't feel like going to the barber i just i just shake myself up i just mm-hmm. i just fade it out but um ever since my last my last stylist job i just didn't i just just kind of just fell off of me yeah i mean but it's cool though. i mean I, I still fuck around my girl i be doing her hair every now and then <laughs> <laughs> i got because she be because sometimes she be doing stuff and i'll be like i'm like what are you doing she's like 
she looked at me one time like, like, what do you know about this? I'm like, first of all, you're doing that wrong and this wrong. I said, like, give me this. And I started doing it. She was like, oh my God. You didn't know. She didn't know that you were a licensed cosmetologist. I mean, I don't really talk about it that much. I'm just saying, <laughs> I have my boyfriend of years, because you've been together, you've been together for like four, three, four years? Yeah, three years. So if all of a sudden, like two years into my relationship, you'd be like, baby, Kimmy, let me fix your bangs. I'm but, like, but, oh, we have to have a talk. But see, Who are you? But see, she, I had hinted on it and said something about it, but to see me actually pick up the stuff and do it, and me, it just blew her away. I could you could talk all day but until you start doing stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, you need curl line. I used to do this. Okay, whatever. And I'm like, yo, give me the curl line. Blah blah blah. Curls tight. Oh my God. You you actually know what you're doing. Crazy. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've shocked her a few times. Just doing her hair real quick. That's hilarious. She probably wants you to do it now on purpose. Yeah, she wants she wants me to do more. But I don't I don't go too far into it though. Because, because I know Nah, I don't go too far. Like, Yo, could you cut it? No, I'll I'll style it. I'll yeah. give her updo. I'll style it, but I'm not gonna go that far. You're not gonna cut it. No, I'm not gonna. That's cut. where you draw the line. I draw a line of cut because the thing is, cutting gets sticky. Because I'm because one time I had cut this lady's hair at the salon. Right? Mm-hmm. I guess she had. This is why you ask people a lot of questions beforehand. Yes. I guess she was going through something at the time. She was like, "Yeah, just cut it short." So you know, as a stylist, you cut it a little bit. And you, you keep inching. You're like, all right, well, I think this is a good enough. She's like, no, cut it more. So I was like, are you sure? So I gave this chick a, like a, she's like, I gave her like a bob, like asymmetrical bob, like triangle cut. And then. He's doing scissor hands as he talks. Oh, my, he's my doing bad. Like, <laughs> scissor, yeah, scissor yeah, cuts. Yeah. Doing scissor motions. But, and then she was like, oh my God, I, I love it. And then she was kind of tearing up. I was like, are you cool? She's like, yeah, I'm okay. And she paid. And then she, and I remember, I remember cleaning off my equipment. <laughs> and this chick, was in the car outside bawling. I mean, she was just, she just kept holding it, doing this to her head, like touching her head uh-uh. like she couldn't believe what she just did. And I was just like, oh my God. This, I was like, hair is like, yeah, I'm it's not like that serious attached. to like women. It is, it is, it is. Atta- yeah, it's very serious for women. But yes. for me, I don't do it. I don't do it like that. Um, I just do it so that it looks good and it's healthy but i yeah don't live in a hair salon anymore like you know when you when i used to have a perm many years ago you had to go get your hair permed yeah. every six weeks and that, my hair was never permed every six my shit be struggling brillo pad at the roots baby <laughs> in a wispy oh, ponytail at the end <laughs> oh yeah we had to work those irons man like a lot of black women would come in mm-hmm. and then i would but some it would send all the black women to my chair of course because you <laughs> and were... i would have to put the iron in and and them hot ass iron started the root and just, with the rod. And just, oh, oh yeah, yo. Woo. So how do you apply all of your many previous jobs, music production and hairdressing? How do you, how do you use those things to your advantage with the comedy career? With comedy, yeah. Um, I don't know where hairdressing. I mean, I guess when I used to talk to people a lot sitting in a chair i mean just creating that conversation i guess developing that conversation with people and developing that friendship or that uh that rapport i use that as crowd work mm-hmm. when i'm talking to people uh music i mean it's always a rhythm with jokes and beatboxing there's sounds and there's me i'm always doing these giant act outs because when i do act outs like that i just i feel like i want to bring people into my mind 
and what I'm trying to show you. And I feel like the best way to do that is through sound, movement, and just bringing people in. So I think, I feel like maybe that's how I kind of yeah. bring it all in. I mean, I, I like the suggestion you gave me earlier. So I might start trying to figure out how to bring more music onto the stage with the jokes. Absolutely. I, mean, I that'd think that'd be dope. The idea of being one thing. especially when that's not like who you are innately it's a disservice to yourself because you end up missing out on all the things that make you unique um when i was in aruba i was talking to my my godmother came with me and my mom to aruba Uh and she travels from her husband they travel they travel a lot and she told me that she was in the cayman islands and in the cayman islands it's uh illegal for you to have more than one job you can only have one job so that it's illegal yes, to have more illegal. than one job? What? It's illegal because this is what she told me. It's because if you have more than one job, that means you're taking a job from somebody else. So in order to ensure a hundred percent employment rate in the Cayman yeah. Islands, you can only have one job. Wow. Can you imagine? That's wow, I could not I mean, but that's the way it used to be in America, but you know, because yeah. of capitalism we have to have multiple streams of income because yeah. you can't just work at one job for the rest of your life. Yeah, you so gotta like, move around. Yeah, so like if you if you live in the Caymans, you can't be uh, a singer and a producer. Like what? what so like, there would be no Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no Kanye like, like you I mean I mean maybe the entertainment business is probably not the best example okay. but I feel like I'm putting like if you're a teacher you can't be a hairstylist on the weekends oh wow because you they consider that you taking money illegal though yeah, like uh-huh. arrested like like you know you get in trouble for it you gotta Damn. realize you gotta understand every like other countries be having their own fucking rules like things yeah. that just make sense there that don't make sense to us here um, I think that's, that's also what she said. Like they're not allowed to, uh, the locals are not allowed to go to the casinos because if you go to the casinos, then that means you're wasting your family's money. What? <laughs> <laughs> Very easy, man. Bye, Chloe. Chloe Hilliard. That's what you get for doing your podcast at the goddamn Comedy Cellar. Drunk comedians and they're talking on your microphone. And they don't give up. You know, my voice is never heard as a woman. I was trying to do something that Mike Yard just jumped in and did. (laughs) And I'm being ignored. So while everyone is ignoring me, go to CoachVon.com and subscribe to my (laughs) Patreon. If you like supporting women, Vaughn, I will have you I on my podcast. I'm never being heard. All I know is because I barely book everybody. That's why I'm doing this shit now. Vaughn, I'll have I'm you never come being on the heard. I'm never being heard. I'm, I'm talking about she, never she being heard. Vaughn, I'm going to call you to do my podcast. I'm going to call you to do my podcast. Why are you over here promoting yourself? She's different. I tired. I just want to know while I was being ignored and as a woman during Women's History Month go to coachvon.com um, it starts with me it starts with you it's not just a day a social it's an media post that you put out there month, and like Black History Month yeah that you tweeted or posted month. then back to White Man yeah, Day for so, the rest of the year yeah, I'll have you come and do it oh <laughs> That that was a pretty big oh, deal for shit. me. I was at Word. Carnegie Hall with my radio show live from here with Chris Thiele. So check dope, that shit. Dope, dope. That's Mike Yard, and I will have Mike and Von DiCarlo on the she podcast. That disrespect at separate times, so that they can have. 
podcast. I think she's not going to have us on there. I think she's just pacifying us right now. I'm going to have you on because I'm home for a while, so I can schedule times to do podcasts. Listeners will just subscribe to my Patreon. Vaughn, how are you trying to take money out of my non-existent pocket? I have no friends, as you can tell from this conversation and this podcast. Absolutely. Mike Yard and Vaughn DiCarlo, I would love for you to do my podcast. Have a good night, guys. Get home safe. Yo, why are you trying to talk all cool and shit, man? Because this is my regular voice and I'm not arguing yeah, with motherfuckers for no reason. I'm leaving all this shit in there, too. Listen, I shut Che down several times. He know better than to come over here. I don't hear me. Oh, make sure this one don't start. Okay, good. Walk you around. Good. Keep good, good, good. Um, so yeah, so we are at the comedy cell, and this is what happens because comics see a microphone and they fucking lose it. Yeah, they got to jump on and say something. Yeah, they do. Um, what was I gonna say? I'm losing my mind right comedy, now. Comedy, um, music. You said it's a disservice. Oh yeah, yeah. So they, not so you're not allowed to. So in this came in this Caribbean island, I don't know if it's Cayman Islands, but in this Caribbean island, you're not allowed to gamble in the casinos because you'd be taking money out. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if people put those like? restrictions on us here how how first of all people lose their mind it's like prohibition you know yeah, i mean if if they just automatically just started doing that out of nowhere yeah but i mean well, if, if we is? grew up in that i mean i feel like we would just go I with the flow yeah i don't think we could do that here because then you would have to you would have to actually give people a living wage yeah yeah, because you can you can just be a straight server and work off and live off of tips, tips. you don't have to pay them actual like yeah. salary and stuff like that. So it could benefit people, actually. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, it would be a benefit, but I mean, I mean, people, like, I mean, we've been working like this for so long. It's like. But everything changes, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you think that everything has to be one way, everything changes. The idea that stuff stays the same is ridiculous. True. Which is why it's so interesting, like, everything that's happening this week in the news, like, people are losing their minds because they're getting called out for doing stuff that. It shouldn't, you know, with the so the cheating scandal. Have you are you up on the cheating scandal? Which one? There's so, so today, many today the FBI um, arrested uh, several people for paying to get their kids into colleges uh-huh. and getting them athletic scholarships. Don't you press this button? Get out of here, both of y'all. Get out of here. Because when I ask y'all to do my shit, y'all don't be trying to do it. You cancel me out. Keith Robinson, I did cancel because I had something better to do. But I'd love to have you in my what? podcast. I'm never going to do your podcast. You are going to do my podcast. Now. Yeah, you're going to do my podcast. I'm going to have you, and we can do it in so the same So we have the midgets, man? Midgets and karaoke? Huh? Midgets and karaoke is a really good... No, con- we're not going to do midgets. Why? But I do got a plan. What? What's the plan? I got a plan. What's the right, plan? Cool. Am I invited? What, what time? Oh. I'm family? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Y'all just let you pay for my dinner. Me and me, you was dinner tonight. Ooh. Tell him the truth. That, Tell him the woman from the oh, show. That, oh, your fan. That fan. Yeah, that was I, dope. Your yeah. fan did. That was dope. Yeah. So a woman came up to me, told me I was great, and then went and paid for my dinner. We're talking. We trying to talk about how y'all niggas is loud as fuck. Fuck you, Mike. Yo, man, you went. <laughs> what up, man? <laughs> so you've been doing comedy for how long now? Like ten years now. Ten years, man. Yeah. It's been a long journey, man. You started. You doing good. Everything is going good for you. Pretty much. I mean, it's going all right. You know, could you, be better. You working, right? 
Yeah, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. We want to change that kind of, sort of to hell yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I want to change it to, but that's I'm just being honest right now. And uh, Chloe. I said Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I only got two microphones and he took my microphone. Uh, this is what happens if you're around. First of all, also, what time is it? It's like at least two o'clock. It's, it's, it's wait, one. It's one. thirty in the morning when we're, we're taping this. Um, I'm gonna wrap it up because I don't want no more uh, interruptions. Um, you say be doing this well, the Aruba thing, and also be a disservice for me not to do all these things together on stage. And yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you because no, so- you because you like you said you have like a you have so many things to pull from creatively in how your brain works. What ultimately do you see yourself being as far as like your comedy slash music career? Like what how would I you how how would you perfectly put all of these pieces of yourself together? Like how do you see yourself in the future? Yeah, yeah, in the future. Like uh, your I goal, mean, like your goal of getting into comedy was to see yourself do what? Like when I started taking comedy seriously, I was like, my goal is to sell out theaters to like uh-huh. be that little speck on this huge ass stage with three tiers of seating yeah. and I want to be able to send a tweet out and be like, I'm going to be at this spot at this and time and it's sold up. out. Like I, that's my yeah, goal. I would love that. It's the conversation so to be like, yo, she's one of the greats. Yeah. Not like she's a good female comedian. It's like, no, 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 no. She's, she's yeah, one I, of the I would like to be in that, in that space of just being like, this dude is just amazing. It's creatively. I mean, like I said with the, well, I told you, like, I would love to have like, orchestras and marching bands mm-hmm. just in the in the room just when i'm doing my comedy i was I'm some type of storytelling something i don't know yet i mean i'm really i'm really i feel like i'm piecing it together now because like I, like, I got back into my music heavy because i was telling so i'm many you and i are friends and i was telling before we started taping it's like i i don't really it's weird because you could be friends with somebody in this business like really be really really friends but not really see them perform because yeah. we all perform at the same time, so you, yeah. it's not like you just going Different around. Spots, yeah. Places, yeah. So I haven't really seen him perform in a while, but I do know that all the things that he does, if you go look at his Instagram, you see all of those like musical beats that he creates. He actually is the producer of my theme song for this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And the theme song for my weekly uh, web series, which I also did not shoot last week because I was in Aruba. The world is terrible. So <laughs> The YouTube uh, joint. Yeah, the YouTube show. So you've done both of those theme songs for me, and I know you're very talented, and I just want you to be able to showcase all of those things together yeah. without... Feel, I feel like a lot of times people see something and they feel like they have to replicate that thing exactly. Mm. You know, it's like paint by numbers. It's like, oh, if I see this picture, I want to do that exact picture versus like my version of that. And yeah. I think people do that because they like... Well, clearly, this version is working for this person. So if ah, I just replicate okay. that, then I'll yeah, get that yeah. same success. And then when you when you do it for 10 years and you're just like, well, why the fuck don't I have that success? I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah. But it's not who you are. You know, like, I think that applies to a lot of things, especially when you're a creative person. You have yeah. to you imagine. Can you imagine, like, all right, you remember you saw the movie Ray, right? You saw the movie Ray with Jamie Foxx. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. So, like, when Ray Charles first started in the show, in the movie, when he first started, he was sounding like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they were like, who, who do you sound like? Who are you? You're mimicking, because he's a mimic. He, like, you're literally mimicking these other people. Yeah. We want to hear your voice. And then when he started yeah. singing, then that's when he became famous. Even, like, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin had recorded, like, like something like seven or eight albums 
but sounding like a standard like ballad singer. Yeah. When she was like with CBS Records or somebody like that, and then when she left them, oh. they were like, "Well, what do you like to sing?" And then she was like, "They was making me do jazz, but I really like aren't I like gospel and soul music?" Yeah. And that's when she became the queen of soul. But they don't give people that many chances that long a time to like yeah. figure it out. I think comedy works differently because we are own bosses and you can perform as long as you perform. Yeah. You know, like even if you're not getting in booked at the places you want to be, you can still be on something like you'll be on somebody's show. Yeah, you'll, you'll perform yeah so it's yeah. no there's nobody. It is the, the best thing about what we do is that there's nobody who can tell us to stop. You know? There's yeah. no one that can make you quit. There's no one that can like you. You may not get the gigs that you want or be in the clubs, but you can always still perform as long as you want to perform. Mm-hmm. So I think you should perform under the ways that you. That maybe is maybe that's what's going on, man. Because I've been feeling I've been feeling weird about just like like I feel like I'm like something's something's not working, and I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And it's I feel like kind of like with uh with Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. with Richard Pryor he did. I mean, Cosby was the dopest thing in that time, and he was just like doing stories and yeah. being like being like Cosby. And then one day he was just like, "This is not me," and he just yeah. he ventured off and then did his own thing. He lost his mind in Las Vegas, had a yeah. mental breakdown, and was swinging from the chandeliers and disappeared. And then disappeared and went to San Francisco and did a shit ton of drugs and stopped wearing those suits and stopped trying to talk like Cosby and came back with a vengeance. Yeah, he came back hard. Yeah, and I, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. But <laughs> yeah, you don't need all the drugs and the chandelier swinging. But I think you should tap into your experience. Tap into your. I mean, I don't really. I from what I've seen, I don't really remember you talking about like your family, your upbringing a lot. So I talk about it, but it's like I feel like sometimes it gets it gets too preachy, or it gets. I feel like talking about my family, my life. It it registers on stage when it's in a story format. Yeah, with that, then do it like, like that. that story, like that, when I did that storytelling show, and I could talk about, and I could talk about my family, and it was I didn't have to worry about laughs. Now, when you're doing stand up, you have to worry about where the punches are, I where mean, the audience is, and how they feel. When you're doing like a storytelling show, and if I'm doing, if I'm talking about my family and my life and who I am, I can it can be funny. But it's like when I want it to be and when I'm just playing around. With I know Chabi on stage and not getting no laughs, and people ride out with him because he's famous. Oh God! <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to? Uh, Spicy. Say anything Jesus. to that? Wow. Um. Yeah, Chase sitting right next to me, <laughs> so I figured I'd incorporate yeah, him. Mean. That was mean as shit. I was just listening. <laughs> oh, you're just here listening. You're a fan. Just, oh, sorry. Just kicking okay, it. You can listen. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, no, I think that you can do all of those things. You can talk about your family. But I mean, when you're comfortable. To, to incorporate production, I mean, me making music and, and incorporating that production with family, with comedy, and all those things on stage is just. Yeah, you can do I mean, I think it's that. a dope combination. It's just, I'm just thinking in my mind, like, how would I but also make you beats realize, on stage? I'm going to do a yes, Kanye West. Absolutely. You can <laughs> just, do whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you want to do because that's the great thing about this medium. It's like, it's 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 some people are purists. Some people are like you have to do X Y and Z. But fucking what's his name was smashing goddamn watermelons on stage, <laughs> uh, uh, and he was a top Gallagher, stand-up. Yeah. He was a fuck. You know what I'm saying? When you <laughs> carrot top, 
all his damn But Carrot props. Top, I've heard he's killing out there in Vegas with those props. Yeah, yo. no, but I'm saying it's like when you think about when you think about trying to adhere to what the what the norm is. If you adhere oh. to what the norm is, you ever you know what it is? You ever you ever put on a suit and it and it don't fit but you gotta wear it and you feel uncomfortable and self conscious. Oh yeah, so many assemblies. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so like puff the magic dragon yeah. or some weird shit. So when you're wearing that suit that doesn't fit you, you're stifling who you are. And so yeah. I think that you need to re examine all the ways that you can approach this business by being your authentic self and don't worry about what what it is to be a stand up when you've had examples of people who bucked the trend. Yeah. And made their own. Sam Kennison yelled for fucking 45 Sam minutes. Sam Kennison was so funny. My it, God. Andrew Dice Clay did nursery rhyme, dick <laughs> jokes. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you think about the things, it's like there's so many things that you can do that you don't have to focus on trying to be. Because I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't really see you, but I just get a sense that I feel like you are frustrated and you are trying to figure out why it's not working. But I think what you're trying to do isn't working for you. Yeah. That's. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I, I think you've answered the questions that have been in my head for the past few months lately. Because I've, I've been in a state of just trying to figure out, like, why am I not performing? Like, I like a lot of people in, in the scene know who I am. Yeah. I performed on basically every stage in New York. But I'm past at places, but I'm not being, I'm not performing at a lot of these places. Yeah, because you have to make yourself... I don't want to say you have to make yourself stand out, but I feel like you have to bring something. First of all, when you are a person of color in yeah. this business, they're looking to you to bring a certain type of energy. A certain type of what? Energy to the show. Yeah. So if you're the black guy, they you know they want you to close the show or host the show. Or open the show. Yeah, open the show. They want you to get that energy up. Or they'll put you in the middle. Yeah, to get that energy up. Get the energy up. Um, and you know, so they certain things that they they expect, like when they're doing a lineup, they're like, okay, well, I need this person that's going to fit this. I need the I need the monotone person. I need the loud person. I need the dirty person. I need, I need the, the woman. Yeah, you the woman. <laughs> so when you think about like how people put shows together, you got to think, okay, well, where, what do I bring that they will that they will demand that they will want? Yeah. What is it about me that's uniquely different than all the other people that look like me or who could be in this spot? Mm. And I think you just need to work on the things that make you unique. Yeah. I mean, being funny is hands down it, but I feel like you, you know, it's like it's like one thing, like one little measurement is off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like yeah. one little thing is off that you just need to hone in on. Yeah. All but right. the music thing is something that comes to you so easily. I just think that it works, especially for like the social media generation, and you know yeah. everything is digital. I think that it could benefit you to. Oh yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. I mean, especially on my podcast, I'm, I'm always doing that on the podcast. I incorporate the sounds, the music, and just overall bringing that energy. What is the name of the podcast? Everybody can go listen to it. Uh, Menuhin's Movie Pass. And what is it about? M e n u h i n, Movie Pass. Uh, basically, I watch movies. I watch a movie and I'll just talk about it. Like, it, well, it started out with a bunch of us. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> it started out as Netflix Campfire, and it was me and like four other comedians. And then the, a giant argument happened, and then everyone left, and I stayed. So as, I just changed it to make this movie pass. As it to happen. So yeah, you go keep the dream alive. So yeah, I just I go to the movies and I watch I watch a movie that just came out and I talk about it. But I do it in a way of 
it's like a a story. Like I'll have yeah. sounds and I have music going. It's so amazing. it's just like so. I'll, oh, thank you. So yeah. I have, I do that, and then well now I'm gonna start upping it to two times a week. Ooh. So I'm gonna do something like on Netflix or something on like HBO or like something trending online. Yeah. I'll watch that and I'll talk about it. But I bring a you know. it's a it's a whole soundtrack in your ear of yeah. entertainment. It's not just it's me a, just talking. An audio orgasm. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can say that. It's late. I'm gonna say a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the late cast. Um, so let's end this the way I end all the podcast episodes. Menu and heart. What makes you a social misfit? Oh man, I feel like a oddly shaped puzzle piece <laughs> that just like I like like I feel like the puzzle piece that's the same color as the the puzzle itself, mm-hmm. but it's like. I don't fit. It's like where do I like I'm I'm supposed to be here somewhere, but where what part do I fit in? And that's how I feel a lot of the time. What makes me that is because I I do so much and I didn't realize how much those other elements influence what I do on the stage. So it's like I guess what the the universe is saying, you need to bring all this shit together. A.K.A. Chloe Hilliard. <laughs> yeah, it's telling me this. All together. Hey, Chloe, A.K.A. the universe is yeah, saying, because bring I this think, shit to the stage. Yeah, because I think the things like the things that we take for granted, the things that's like seem the most obvious to us. Yeah, is what we try to run away from, but that's it's like the most obvious thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Just got to figure it out now. Yeah, just play around with it. You'll figure it out. And it's going to click and it'll be, it'll take off. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully. <laughs> we'll no, see what happens. No, hopefully. Do my will. own uh, one well, man show was, out here. Somebody, I think Monroe said something about hopefully. It's like when you say hopefully, uh, it was like, what's his name? Dick Gregory. It was in an interview and Dick Gregory and somebody was like, oh yeah, hopefully. And he was like, why would I say hopefully? When you say hopefully, you're telling your whole body that you don't believe that this is going to happen. Mm. So when you say hopefully, you already undermining the possibility. Yeah. So I'm trying to eliminate hopefully from my vocabulary. Okay. Well, I will be doing this then. Yeah. It will happen for real. Once I figure out the combination, because it's all a puzzle. It is. Once I figure out how to get that on the stage and how to piece that, what what I would love to do is just before we end the podcast, I would love to have one violinist and maybe maybe a violinist and a cello and just. I started with one violin and just have them because violins strings have this this way of moving emotions around. Mm-hmm. And if you have one string, one violinist, and I'm talking, I'm doing my podcast, my podcast, doing a, a bit on stage, and just to have them move like fluctuate with mm-hmm. what I'm saying, yeah. I think that would be dope. Yeah, but listen, I mean, you got to find a violinist unless I'm gonna play the pian- violin. No, people have pianists. People have it's like you know when somebody has a one man show and they have a pianist. Yeah, but you know I. I, I I got to find them. Me and people sometimes, man. Listen. They just be, yo. You are socially awkward. Yeah. Because you live in your head. I live in my head. Yes, I do. Yes. 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 So you just need to be able to articulate the things that you want and be yeah. a little bit more sociable with people. Yeah. Everybody ain't going to kill your Roger Rabbit, though. <laughs> <laughs> let that let that barrier down and embrace opportunity you're right you're right you're right <laughs> let's go kill your roger rabbit doll 
Well, thanks for joining me. Um, I know thanks it's for been me. a this lot going on here, but this is our life. This is what it is. This is the dream. Yeah, We're this is the seller. This is the seller. Um, anyone will everybody follow you at? What are your handles? Um, on Instagram is uh, at menu. Well, M H A R T number three thousand. That's on Instagram. Um, my Instagram for my podcast is M M Pass three thousand, and um. My podcast is Minions Movie Pass. It's on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. It's on a lot of different networks. So check me out. And you can check me out. Go to ChloeHillier.com. I just have a brand new website built. Yes, oh, I do. ChloeHillier.com. And you can also go to um, FYourDiet.com. That's for my book, FYourDiet.com. Fuck Your Diet. It's coming out September. I'm going to be talking about it from here until September because I want everybody to buy my book. Thank you, Minion Win, for joining me tonight in the booth. Yeah. Uh, thanks for all of the comics who so rudely interjected. <laughs> <laughs> and I will have episodes of each and every last one of them because now they're on record saying that they're going to do my podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, you so I much. I appreciate so much. this. You're one of my dearest friends. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Have a great night. I'm going home and going to sleep. Bye bye. Yeah.